Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse number 18 down through verse number 25. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin virgin shall shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not till... She had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we certainly do love you. Lord, I I, I thank you, uh, Lord, for all those who who decided to take time out here on Christmas Eve to come to this service. Lord, we just want to come before you and, Lord, say thank you. Thank you so much for what you were willing to do in order to save us. Father, ask your blessing upon the service. May you use your word to draw us closer to you. Please, help us this Christmas to stay focused on you and what you've done for us. And Lord, tonight, as we look at just a few things in your word, may we truly see the greatness of Christmas. So Lord, control what I say and how I say it. And most of all, I pray for your spirit to work on hearts. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth clearly, meeting the needs drawing us closer. Again, Lord, I love you, and I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Again, <clears throat> growing up, um, you know, I remember uh, my parents, of course, had divorced when I was six, and we had lived uh, pretty much in apartments for the next seven years, I think it was. I think it was about 13, 14. We actually got a house. I remember we used to, we used to, when we drive around looking at houses. I used to wonder what it was like to live in a house. And, uh, um, but I was in one of those neighborhoods, by the way, for our bus workers and bus captains, and, and buses came into my neighborhood. It was, it was those neighborhoods that the bus, church buses went into. And, and 
I remember we did not have, we did not have a lot. I, I didn't quite recognize that then. Looking back, I'm much more aware of it now. Um, but my mom did not, I mean, she didn't even finish the ninth grade. And she was working a couple of jobs. She had just me and my brother in the apartment. So we didn't actually even see her a whole lot. I would come home, we had the key around the neck and unlock the door. And she would go from job to job. When she had got home, be home just a few minutes and switch up and head to, head to another place uh, to work. And she would take us out to the stores. There was no Walmart up north back then. I think that thing was just like in Arkansas and down there, and that was it. But Kmart was the big thing, the blue light specials of Kmart. And another store, I don't know if that was just in Cleveland, a store called Zares. Does anybody, is that, was that nationwide? Other people know Zares. I see that. So one of those two. So when we arrive at those stores, um, I was allowed, I would break away, and I was allowed to go right to the toy section. So every single time we went to Kmart, boom, I made a beeline for the toys. I wasn't allowed to ask for anything. I never did. I never did. But I would just sit there and look at the toys, usually the Hot Wheels. I get into that Hot Wheels section. I look at all the different cars. And then, you know, within, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, my mom would come by the aisle, and she would just say, it's time to go. And we would go. So, but when Christmas came around, now, then I knew I was getting toys. And I loved it. I, I, I couldn't wait for it. I couldn't wait. I went through our, our, our process as I grew up of Christmas, and I enjoyed it. Uh, um, and again, my dad, on Christmas Eve, would come pick us up. We'd head to his house and open a, open a few presents, and me and my brother, would, we would enjoy that. Then we would head to his dad's house, my grandfather's house, and all that family would be there. And I did enjoy that a lot because that was the only family meeting on that side of the family we had each year. It was just at Christmas at my grandfather's house. He was, a, he was a proud man, a successful man, and, and so everybody would meet there at his house. And, uh, and, and I enjoyed that. All the cousins would be there, and we would play. And, and I still remember my favorite game. Every Christmas, uh, about five of us cousins would get around and play Don't Break the Ice. Do you remember that game? And, uh, and then once we left there, and that's what I couldn't wait for, when he was taking us back to my mom's house. And me and my brother would be so anxious for that because our, our mom always knew exactly what we wanted. We just knew those were going to be the best presents once we got back to mom's house. And so our dad would take us back. and well, I, I, I skipped a really important one. He would always take us first um, to mass. We were Catholic. So at 11 o'clock, we'd hit the midnight mass, if you will. And uh, we would come in, and you'd be so anxious for that thing to end because I knew presents were coming when this thing was over with. And my dad was always trying to, you know, settle down. It's all right. Quit squirming. And if you know, if you ever grow up Catholic, you kneel, stand, sit, kneel, stand, sit. I mean, you're always, always doing something in there. And I do remember every year, though, I would look on. It was Catholic, so there's statues everywhere. And I, I certainly wanted to know God. I did. I remember looking on those statues, and I would wonder what it would have been like to have been one of the apostles, to live in that time frame. And I would just stare at those things. And, uh, and I, I don't remember ever, I'm, I'm not being mean or cruel, and it might have been just me and my age, but I don't ever remember any, getting anything out of any of the messages that I heard. I just don't have any memory of that whatsoever. We would finish the Mass, and then that's when we headed to the house. And as soon as we got there, my mom would be waiting, my dad would drop us off. And because it was now Christmas morning, it's past midnight, it's going on 1 a.m., we could open up presents as soon as we got there. 
So it would just be my mom, my brother and I, and we'd head to that tree, and the presence would begin. And, oh, I, I, we just couldn't wait for that. I probably would fall asleep every Christmas, probably around 3 or 4 in the morning. Whenever I just got tired enough, usually just down there in the living room or whatever, I'd fall asleep and then get up and be playing with whatever toys that my mom happened to get us as we grew up. And so I always, always enjoyed Christmas. I knew that it had to deal with the birth of Jesus Christ. I knew that. But I never understood the greatness of it. I, I, I never did. I mean, I enjoyed it, to be honest, for primarily selfish reasons at that time. And, and I had a respect for God. I did. I knew it was about the birth of Jesus Christ. But I really didn't get the magnitude of that until several years later. And so what is it that makes Christmas great? What is it? I'm going to look at just a couple of things. You can think back over the last several weeks as I've been preaching on Christmas ever since the adult Christmas party. And since then, the messages have been on Christmas. You can think different things the Lord has done that I've already brought up in previous messages that do make Christmas great. Just the fact of, again, all that God was putting together for this day to take place. All that he orchestrated showed how important it was to the Lord. I could go to the shepherds on that tonight. We could look at them. As soon as Christ was born, there was an announcement made. Heavens opened, allowing these shepherds on the side of a hill to announce to them that the birth of Jesus Christ has taken place. The Savior is here. The Messiah is born. God is now here in flesh. And they're rejoicing. And again, could you imagine being those shepherds, what they got to witness that night? That's just not a story you read in pages. That happened to those men. They saw that God, you know, rolled back this, you know, our view right now of our current uh, um, situation here on earth and allowed them to see into heaven. Incredible. And then at the same time, no doubt he's already beginning the, the, the directing of the wise men from the east. That's already taking place. You know, and I've talked about already, all that he did to have the right language in place, to have roads in place. This was the time. The Lord knew the greatness of this day. But I want to look at a couple of things here in Matthew, which demonstrate the greatness of Christmas. I want to start in verse number 23. Look at verse number 23. It says, Behold... A virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. This is, of course, the fulfilling of that prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7. And he said what they're going to refer to him as is Emmanuel. A a name was given what people would say about you. That That would sort of be your name. And that certainly became, to this day, how we identify Jesus Christ as God with us, Emmanuel. The fact that he is called Emmanuel demonstrates the greatness and the importance of Christmas. I mean, it really does mean God with us. That's why this birth was so special. This was, just try and comprehend for a second, think what was taking place. Of, of why we look at that, why we have different scenes looking at that baby in a manger. 
Because at that moment in time, that baby that cannot walk, that cannot talk, that needs, that needs his mother and father, that needs to be fed, is actually the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe was willing to humble himself. I mean, we have people today that think they're important enough that they won't even bother to clean a toilet. Here is the creator, the true creator of the universe, the one who deserves the worship of all creation, humbled himself so much that he took on human flesh, and there he is, now unable to even walk. Having to be held by his mom and dad, having to cry when he's hungry, having to cry when he needs to be changed. He's a baby. The one, going all the way back to Genesis, who spoke it. Look look in Colossians. Turn over to Colossians with me. Colossians chapter 1. When I was back here as assistant pastor, I used this text. I had some... I don't remember if they were um, Latter-day Saints from the Mormon Church or if they were Jehovah Witnesses that had came by my door. And I went to this text. <clears throat> and they were. I knew that they did not believe that Jesus was, in fact, God the Creator. And so I had asked them, I said, I said, you do believe that God is the Creator, of all things, everything in the universe. And they had said, yes, we do. I said, I do too. And I said, and I, and, and I, and I had my Bible, I had them take their, they had a Bible with them too, so it was probably Mormons then, actually. Um, I'm not sure. But in Colossians, and I said, let's turn over to Colossians, and they did. And we started reading uh, right here. I'm going to start reading in verse number 15. And I started a little bit earlier. I actually started in verse 13 with them. Well, I'm going to pick it up in verse 15. <coughs> it says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. All right, now this is talking about Jesus Christ. Now, and, and I address that first firstborn. Scripture, what it deals with is prominence, not the start of an existence. It deals with his place, not, not an origin, with his place. He is the firstborn of all creations, who he is. It deals with his place. I said, let's continue. I said, look at verse 16. And I had my Bible, and I turned it, and I said, I said, read that for me. It says, for by him. And I said, now wait, who's the him? In context, who are we talking about? And I, I can't remember if they answered or not. I think I did. I said, it's, it's talking still about Jesus Christ. I said, for by him, Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And I said, now you've already told me the Creator is God. And I said, according to the Word of God right here, who is the Creator? It's Jesus Christ. And I remember I'm taking my Bible and slamming it shut and turning around and leaving at that point. But He is. Look in John chapter 1. Go to John chapter 1. This is what makes, this is why Christmas is so important. This is why Christmas is so, is, is so great because of whose birth it was. Verse number one. 
In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we know whatever John is starting off to talk about right here, identifying with a capital W, the Word, this was God. Does it define it for us? It does define it for us in verse 14. Look. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who was Jesus? He was God. He was God. You can go, we're not going to turn there for time's sake, but you can go to John chapter 20 and verse 28. This is after the, this is after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, when the Lord uh, appears unto Thomas who should have been in church that, that he missed the previous Sunday, by the way. He missed the, had he been in church where he should have been, he missed it. They were already meeting on Sundays. You follow, Christ was instructing them at the end of the ministry on Sundays, and that continued on through. He missed it. That was when Christ appeared to all of them. So that week he was miserable, but the Lord shows grace and mercy, and he addresses Thomas immediately. He knew the horrible week he had. He, he understood he had grace. He understood there was mitigating. I mean, I mean, the Lord was crucified. The man he'd been with for three years and given his life for. He wasn't understanding all that was taking place. And the Lord sees him. Thomas, come. Put your fingers right here. It's me. What was Thomas's reaction? That guy worshipped. And he said, my Lord and my God. John twenty twenty eight. Jesus is, in fact, God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8. Another great verse. Unto the Father saith, unto the Son, unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God. Jesus is God. My favorite is 1 John chapter 5. Look at 1 John chapter 5. I want you to see this one. First John chapter 5, verse number 20. I love, love this. I love them all, but this, this is my favorite. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true and we are in Him that is true, even His Son, Jesus Christ. Look at this. This is the true God and eternal life. That birth just wasn't any other birth. The reason why it was so incredible because it was literally the Creator becoming flesh, becoming a man for us. The Father, God who exists, it is one God who exists in three persons. And the second person of what we call the Trinity was designed to come down to this earth and put on flesh and become a man. So He humbled Himself, the Creator, the One who spoke it in Genesis and said, let there be light. And there was light. There wasn't a sun yet, by the way. Just think about that. There was simply light. The one who spoke it in life came into existence. There wasn't a big bang. There was a really powerful voice. And now he's a baby. And now he's a baby. Emmanuel. God with us. When he was on earth, he forgave sins, which only God can do. He controlled nature, which only God can do. He knew what men were thinking. He for, we can go on and on. And demonstrating who he was, that he was in fact 
Emmanuel. So the first time in all of human history, God has become a man. Prior to this, there were appearances of Jesus Christ. In, in, in theology, we call those theopanies. An appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ before he was made flesh. But this is different. Now he's a man. Now he has humbled himself so much that he's a baby. The creator is going to have to learn how to walk. He's going to have to learn to talk. Why did he do all this? Well, that leads to the last reason that I'll try and discuss here of why Christmas is so great. That's also found back in our text in Matthew chapter 1. He was Emmanuel, but that wasn't, all, that, that wasn't all that he was. He wasn't just Emmanuel. Two verses I want to look at here. 21 and 25. And she shall bring forth a son. Now, here's the direction. Joseph didn't pick the name. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Verse 25. And he knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn son. By the way, think about that verse. That verse right there dispels the doctrine of the... Of the um, uh, of Mary's continual virginity, that she never knew man. No, she did. She had other children besides Jesus. Christ had half-brothers. He certainly did. And he called his name, as you can see it here, Jesus. So we see the greatness of Christmas in his name, Emmanuel, that men would call him. And here he is, now he is directed. Now, you're going to give that child a name to call him. It's going to be Jesus. Because he shall save his people from their sins. Because the word simply means Savior. And that's what he was. We needed a Savior because of our sin. In a sense, you can think about it. You can almost see, in, in almost in any culture, but especially in Western culture, it's the one we know best, we live here. How man actually recognizes they need a Savior. They don't exactly know what that looks like. That's why we need the preaching of the gospel, the Holy Spirit working on the hearts. But think about it. Think about how popular superhero movies are. Man's always needing saved from something. We need somebody to come. We need something because, because of ourselves. We know we just don't have what it takes. The fact is there's only one true superhero, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. That was God in the flesh, the one who came to save us. We need that saving because our sin has, in fact, separated us from God. Uh, you know, I covered this several weeks ago, but God had Christmas in planning, of course, before the foundation of the world, but He revealed it to the world still when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. When they sinned, He gave the promise of Christmas because he knew what just took place, because he is a holy God, he is a just God. Sometimes we think we can just come to God, and, be, and because he's God, we can just say, you know, the only thing we have to do is say we're sorry. You have to understand who God is. He is holy and he is just. You need to understand why we can come before him if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, forgive us. Why that's possible. It is possible because of what took place 2,000 years ago when God became a man. 
When Christ became a man, He did that for you. If this day doesn't take place, just like it says there in verse 23, the opposite then would be true. If this day doesn't happen, if we don't have Christmas, there is no way to save you from your sins. It's not possible. It doesn't matter how good you are, how many leaves you turn over, how many times you get dunked in water, how many churches you attend, and how faithful you are. If Christmas doesn't happen, there is no way to save you from your sins. And what I mean by that is, is the consequences of your sins. When God judges you and you are sent to a very real hell. That's the reality. This is why God became a man. He knew because He was holy and because He was just, and yet He loved us. He had to find some way. Think of this verse. I gotta think. Go to Psalm 85. I hope it's Psalm 85. <clears throat> Psalm 85. This verse pictures Christmas. Psalm 85. Yeah, there it is. Look at verse 10. Mercy and truth are met together. That was Christmas night. Mercy and truth met. It had begun. God Almighty, leaving the glories of heaven to become a man, humbling Himself, Showing that mercy. This is truth. When He came to this earth, it was the only way to save us from our sins. Because why? Because God is holy. He is just. Because He is just. You understand? He cannot act in an unjust manner. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you have somebody who's committed a crime against your family. Maybe, it's been, maybe it was violent and it was horrible. And so you head to the court, and you are there, and his trial's going on, and it's, it's easy, it's clear-cut, he is guilty. And let's say the judge does this. The judge says, you know what, I know you're guilty, but go free. Would that go over well with you? No, it would not. No, no you would cry out, there's no justice. I have news for you, God is just. He will never do an action, ever, that goes against His justice. I got news here. We're the guilty ones in the court. He's not going to go against His justice. So He had to do something, because He loved us. In order to save us from the crimes we've committed. So this is what He did. He said, wait, I'll come up with another way to satisfy justice. Mercy and truth will meet. God becomes a man. Get this. This is what's amazing. So now, as a man, Christ lived the perfect life for you. He lived it. That perfect life was for you. See, his plan was this, is that what he wants to do is he wants to take your place. He wants to take on the Father's justice while he gives you his perfect life. 
He wants to do a transaction. He wants to say, listen, this is what we'll do. I will become a man. I will live the perfect life and I will switch places. I'll take their sin upon myself. I'll take the judgment and I'll give them my righteousness. And you know what? God, who is perfect, who is sovereign, that'll work. That will satisfy justice. And so when Christ went to the cross, the transaction happened. He became sin for us that He could give us His perfect righteousness. That's how He saves us from our sins. And if you'll come to Him in repentance and faith, He will save you. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I hope you're getting just a glimpse of the greatness of Christmas through the name Emmanuel and through the name Jesus. God with us to save us from our sins. Is there anyone here you say, Pastor, please, I need saved from my sins. I need the Lord. I need this. I'm not certain what's going to happen to me if God judges me. Please pray for me. If that's you, would you just put your hand up for me real quick? I won't call you out. I'll just, I'll just acknowledge it and have you put your hand down. Anybody here like that at all? Just put your hand up where I can see. I see just a couple of small children. If you put your hand up, I missed it. I need you to do it again for me. Anybody here like that at all? All right, Christian. Just take a minute to pray right where you're at. Please, take time to thank the Lord that God was willing to become flesh to save us from our sins. Father in heaven, Lord, we do love you. Lord, thank you for the amazing grace you've shown us. And thank you for your mercy. Lord, for you to become a man. Lord, knowing who we are, what we are, and yet that love that was just, it just never stopped. Thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for allowing me to hear the gospel. Father, please bless our church. Help us always to be thankful for what you've done, to be obedient, to love you, and to serve you. Lord, we love you. I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, at this time, I'll have Mitch come. If we can have our ushers begin coming forward right now, please. What they're going to do is they're going to be lighting your candles, whoever's at the end, and then if you would just pass your candle, light the, uh, uh, the candle the person next to you right on down your row we'll get all these candles lit quickly and we'll get started
I'm glad for electricity. A few hundred years ago, you didn't need the candle light just to see the songbook here. All right, let's go ahead and stand. We're going to sing the first verse of a few of these uh, familiar Christmas songs. We're going to start off with O Come All Ye Faithful. It's page 85 if you need to look at the book. Again, just the first verse of these songs. Page 85, O Come All Ye Faithful. Page 95, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. Sing away in a manger, page eighty-nine. There. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet bed. The stars in the sky look down. the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king page 83 there in the song hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king peace on earth and mercy mild God and sin is reconciled joyful all ye Noel, the angel did say. Page 97 there in the song.
God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Page 107 there in the hymn book. <laughs> Seeing a little bit slower than we normally do, Ruth. <laughs> oh, tidings of comfort and joy. <laughs> God rest you, merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone. upon a midnight clear that glorious song of old page 81 there in the songbook There in the psalm, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. That mourns in Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Oh. 
finish up, we'll sing Silent Night. We'll do the last verse of that. That goes Silent Night, Holy Night. Wondrous star, lend thy light. With the angels, let us sing. Hallelujah to our King. All right, pay, uh, the last verse there. Silent night, holy night. Wondrous star, lend thy light. With the angels, let us sing. get the lights about halfway, we can go ahead and take our candle up. Be careful of those and you tip them. You got all that stuff in there. But let's go ahead. Again, Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you, visitors. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, I appreciate it. It's always nice to set a full house here on our Christmas Eve service. It is, it is every year. And, uh, but I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. And we'll go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we do love you. Thank you. Thank you for our church. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your mercy and your grace in our life, Lord. Lord, bless me the needs that are here, Lord. Again, we, we thank you so much for what you were willing to do in order to save us. And Lord, help us to pause and remember that tomorrow. And Lord, thank you. I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed.